uh, thanks everyone for uh, joining. This is I'm Seth Partner. This is Colin Schatz. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend Kirk Henderson today of Mavs Moneyball to talk about the trade deadline and, in particular, the Mavs trade deadline because they did a thing. Oh man! <laughs> uh, right off the bat, our, our guy Samus Fondiari wants to hit us with a question. So let's 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 just go let's let's, let's go right there. Let's let's let's. Hi, Sam. Has he figured it out? Yeah, well, he's he's been on the show, so he should be able to figure it out. All right. it. What's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Sam. What's going on? I am sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic and saw you were doing this, and I had to call him. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I need to know, I need to hear Kirk's uh, eulogy to Christoph Porzingis now that the era is over. Well, that's what we're here for. So, Kirk... <laughs> The floor is yours. So there's two different things when discussing Chris Steffs for Zingas. First, when you talk about a guy with his like size and ability, he's just, he's just not ever going to stay healthy, and I feel bad for him because of that. Because he tries. I think he wants to play hard. I think he's a smart, well-meaning guy. But he's also, if he had hailed from any other media market, the Chris Steffs for Zingas hype never would have gotten this way. Because he came from the New York media market, he was blown up to be something that he never was. Because he, he, you know, his entire career is built off of six to eight game stretches where he looks like a world beater and then he hurts himself. And so while he looked unbelievably good uh, in February of 2020, that should have been the harbinger for the apocalypse because, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, you know, in March of 2020, the world shut down. So there's just too much Porzingis for, for one world. And I, you know. Looking back on his time with Dallas, it was a good idea on paper. It was an interesting bet, I think, but it was also um, – I, I I never saw it from the start. I have I was on record being kind of like, well, if he could stay healthy, but he's already had 13 lower body injuries, and that was three years ago, and he's had 10 more. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm very glad that they have moved on from him, but how they moved on from him and what they got back – is really, really questionable. Like, every single expert is deadpanning this trade. Yeah. Um, uh, Zach, I'll get to you in a second. Thanks, uh, th- thanks, Sam, but I'm, I'm booting you now. Because um, this, is, this is not a warrior show. We'll talk, we'll talk about your guys not doing anything <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> um, the, my, before we get to what they got today, how much of it not working was the pairing of Doncic and Porzingis and how much was the failure of other moves, the failure to add around them? So, why, don't you, why don't you cogitate on that while, while we let Zach ask his question? Hey, hey, Seth. Hey, Kirk. How's it going, guys? Great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Kirk, uh, big fan. I mean, I'm a diehard Mavs fan from Dallas, so I always see your Twitter exchanges, and it's great to... Uh, uh, be able to talk but I just want to give my two cents I initially well the first update was just the Mavericks are acquiring Spencer Dinwiddie and I assumed it was going to be THJ going mm-hmm. and I was actually you know pretty excited uh, I feel like we've been on this emotional roller coaster with Tim Hardaway Jr. where uh, first it was he was the salary dump and then Rick turned him around and then he was our best player next to Luca in the playoff series and we were excited to only sign him for $74 million, and now he's back to Knicks, THJ. So I, I was convinced that's what it was going to be. 
Um, and then to see KP, I, I think it's a mix of emotions. Um, mm-hmm. One, I think there it's a sense of relief. Like, I feel as a Mavs fan, you know, the Mavs won the championship when I was 14 years old. And I, I, I just, like, I think I even took it for granted, even as happy as I was. And I guess I just thought when we got KP in 2020 uh, or 2019, or how long was it now? Yeah, tw- that was, yeah two years ago. Uh, I really thought we we're going to win a championship in three years. And just to see that dream die is, is kind of disappointing. But if, if you boil it down, I actually really do like, like the move, given what our other options were, which were unless, nothing. <laughs> un, well, well, unless we could have gotten Dragic, I, I saw something floating out there. I mean, someone said, oh, what if we get Pascal Siakam? And I just wanted to shut up because this is what Mavs fans do. We just, you know, we, every, we think yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually wouldn't have minded like Dragic and maybe some some filler because if at the end of the day, this is to make flexibility. Uh, Dinwiddie seems like kind of a tool based off what's going on in Washington. Bertans is <laughs> is also an overpaid Latvian. So, um I do like Brooklyn Dinwiddie, and I'm just kind of going on a monologue here just because I've been cooped up, like, waiting to talk about this all day. But I actually, from a flexibility standpoint, you can see a scenario in which Mavs need a queer, queer salary, like, 15 to 18 million, and they give it to, like, we, if my dream would come true, we'd actually sign a free agent. We need a queer 18 million. We attach a first round pick to Bertans and dump that deal. That's actually a feasible possibility in the future. You can't, you couldn't do that with Porzingis because no, it was too much so money. much, because it was mm-hmm. so much money, and so the options were limited. We are like twenty-one and five in our last twenty-six games, and something like that. And KP's barely played, so I really, other than like the dream dying, I'm not as, I mean, really, I'm not irate at all. But some people are just up in flames about this. I really don't mind it. That much, well, Kirk. I, I, am, I am curious to hear a little bit more what what uh, what you think about it. So I, before you go, Kurt, can I can I can I, I jump in and say uh, when you say in time you could use a first to get off Bertans, it's in like three years. It'll take a first. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before then, it'll take it'll it'll take more than that. So just you know, knowing the economy of what of what draft picks yeah. are worth, it's like it would be like three to do it today. Sure. Um, no. Sure. Sure. Um, I guess there could. I mean, I mean, I'll admit I haven't watched a single Washington Wizards game besides from when the Mavs win him this year. I look at Berton's stats; they're just awful. I just remember when he got the big deal from Washington after you know there was the whole thing where he was coming up with the Spurs, and then they thought they were going to get Marcus Morris, so they traded him, and then he had that great year with Washington. He seems like a sharp shooter to me, but I don't know what's been going on in Washington. Maybe Luca can recoup some value because Luca's so good at getting guys wide open. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree too much with, with what you're saying, Seth. To, to fill you in on that, he had two pretty good years. I mean, he was a, he was a good player in San Antonio. 43. He had 43. He shot 43% from three-point range for two years. On, like, lots of ridiculous attempts. Like, he was, he was, you know, you think Duncan Robinson takes tough shots now. Like, Bertans was kind of hold my beer to some of those. So... <laughs> But he's just he's basically been hurt since then, and he's a guy who is a marginal enough athlete at the NBA level that you start to chip away at that, and all of a sudden he he can't get enough separation for shots, he can't defend well enough to be on the floor, and so he's got to get to a point physically where he can actually be he can be on the floor enough for find him, 
And that's so that and that's so, the word so, with him. But I sorry. So go, if so I go ahead. I was gonna say, go so if I understand you correctly, the Mavs just traded for a tall Latvian who struggles to stay on the floor and is overpaid. Mm. Yeah, though happened? I think there there is a distinction to make, and I'll, I promise I'll let Kirk talk. Is this is there's there's kind of two like there are bad contracts come in two flavors. There's bad money and there's dead money, and Bertans is pretty close to dead money, whereas Porzingis is assuming he can be on the floor at all is more bad money. Sure. Like to buy Tobias Harris is bad money. He's a good player making way too much money. Who um. Like Russell Westbrook is dead money, and and ne- like neither of the players are that extreme, but in, in term, but that's so that's that's the problem that I see with it is like there's Dinwiddie might be might be just bad money, but that's still like sixteen million a year of dead money for three more years. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think, there's been a lot of like pseudo questions thrown at me, and I, I don't even really know where to start. <laughs> Seth, do you have any thoughts on where I should go first? Um, yeah, no, just you know, your thoughts on on the return, I guess, is is probably is probably the 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 gist of 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 Zach's question. Well, well, I'll I'll phrase it like this: StatMuse shared a. Uh, bit of information. Porzingis and Luca when they play won fifty nine percent of their games. When Luca plays and Porzingis doesn't, the Mavs win sixty percent of their games. So in ag like in big picture, Porzingis didn't really affect how the Mavericks weren't lost, which is pretty wild. I think he raised their ceiling, but they got tired of of hoping and essentially decided to, to to admit it was a sunk cost. They wasted two first-rounders, because and it is a waste, because they still owe the first-rounders to the Knicks. But I don't understand what they're doing by getting back two players of, of you know, really at the bottom of their potential contract or value, because it's like you said, that, that, that Bertans is heading towards dead money. And Dinwiddie is just, like, he's he's – he looks like a shell of himself, not to mention the fact that nobody seems to like him. And it just, you know, we've chatted for, for years about whether it's a, a, a Lucas si- or a, a, a Cuban signing, a Donnie signing, like the Mavericks seem to have a problem of too many cooks in the kitchen. Cause Mark Cuban can't get out of his own way. And, you know, you bring in Nico Harrison, I understand he's not really a GM, but this just feels like a Cuban deal through and through. And the fact that they did it after blowing smoke up people's asses for two years about how you know good this combination is going to be is absolutely crazy to me. I, I we found an old tweet from Mark Stein today, and I'm trying I'm scrolling through um, my Slack to to get a uh, um, to see if I can find it. But it, it was Cuban basically saying, "Oh, he said, he said it was my mistake not to keep Dirk and Steve together longer." Cuban tells New York Times Sports, "I won't make the same mistake with Luca and Porzingis." That was on February fourth, twenty nineteen. I think you could make the argument that he kept them together too long. Well, and also like now do Tyson Chandler, but that's you know that's <laughs> that's just twisting the knife right now, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean we've talked about I've I've been on your podcast and we've talked about it, and it's like the flashes of what it looked like with Porzingis were were the good golf shot that brings you back after you've been you know swearing for oh, you hit seventeen holes of swearing and you hit a perfect approach shot on eighteen. It's like golf is cool. And that's that was a little bit like, um, 
the, the 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 Porzingis experience for you guys. I do think though that there that there is something to we do have to as you know the game is on now and and you know Dwight Powell's about to shoot free throws and he's almost the the emblem of of the to me of of kind of those issues around this. Like you see the vague outlines of okay with especially in Carlisle's offense they wanted to run like a you know a double drag or a Spain pick and roll with like a, a dive big and a pop big. And Powell was kind of the dive big, but he's like not good enough to do that at a at a at the top level. And they just kind of kept sticking with him and not improving that spot. And you kind of see that almost malaise at every other spot around the roster. And so oh, you wonder. Yes. And so you wonder yes. if if the if it's if is it is it Doncic and Porzingis or is it the fact that your third best player is Tim Hardaway Jr. Is it? Or Infinity Smith? Oh, is, it, I, is it Max Kleba? Is it? I see. I remember. Yes, this question. I'm sorry. It's almost like eight minutes ago when you asked that question. Um, I, it, it would be that. It would be the fact that they didn't build up the roster better. Now we need to take a small trip back in time and go to the probably it was March of 2019 after they had traded uh, for Chris Apps. They traded Harrison Barnes in game and received back a, a, a basically a huge like like exception and then. They had cleared sort of the space to where they had birds rights for Porzingis, Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith, and I think one more person. I could be I could be mistaken here, but what, they, was it they Powell the, after coming off it, the the Achilles? The, no, because the Achilles happened in twenty. It had the Achilles happened January twenty twenty. So it's the summer of twenty nineteen where they had this opportunity to have kind of artificial cap space in the sense of they just had bird rights for everybody. So they could have gone over to, to re-sign their dudes. And instead on, on opening night, 2019 free agency, they took Porzingis out to dinner and free agency was over in about 45 minutes. And that was one of the many, many times over the last decade when Mark Cuban should have fired Donnie Nelson almost on the spot for not knowing what was happening uh, and having no Intel because he, at that point, was more interested in his business ventures, having a cocktail and doing whatever he was doing about town than he was being a general manager. And so they wasted that opportunity. And really, what their argument at the time back was, we didn't want to sign anyone because we want to be in play for Giannis Antetokounmpo. That was like the, the party line. They were talking about it. Well, that then went out the door last summer and was a terrible, terrible, like, just it just looks stupid then and it looks really bad now. And and it's really baffling because Porzingis was nowhere. He was. I never thought he was going to be the like a star level player uh, that they needed. But the fact that that he was had to play that is really kind of more indicative of of the problems that they had because they they whiffed on you know free agency. They treated free agency very much as a linear proposition where they were the only people bidding on players and just they they've gotten outworked or out uh, flanked on uh, every every free agency. And then today. You know, Zach Lowe talked about how he thought the Mavericks might be preparing for 2023-24 free agency. Like, at what point is doing the same thing over – like, they've been doing this for four, 12 years now. It, it, it's embarrassing. Like, they wasted Dirk's post-prime. Like, it's an embarrassing franchise because the owner is embarrassing. Yeah, uh, Kirk, just to clarify, and I also think that other player is J.J. Barea. I think we brought him back on, on, a, on a minimum deal uh, that summer. Uh, yes. Just to get a pulse, do you – like – Yay or nay on this trade? Like, would you rather this trade have not happened? Or, uh, I guess just bluntly, what would you say? Uh, my initial reaction was that this was a bad trade. And I wanted them to send Porzingis directly into the sun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's tough. But, you know, it, it, it's tough because it's a rock and a hard place deal. And, I, you know, it, 
if either one, if any of their bigs get hurt right now, for example, like they rely on, they're relying on Dwight Powell and, and Maxi Kleba, who is basically made out of paper mache. It's, it's, it's an interesting decision that they've made. I don't think this will change at all for them. I, I, th- I think, you know, especially bringing in Nico, like that was a very conscious decision by Mark. He kind of wanted a, a puppet. And mm. I don't, I don't think this is going to change. I mean, am I being too pessimistic? Like, I think it's, I think it's just a ticking clock before Luca goes to the Miami Heat in maybe three or four years. But I don't know. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. This just feels, this just feels inevitable. It feels like every freaking year it's clear cap space, clear cap space. And it, I mean, it's, it's all the same because Mark can't get out of his way because Mark thinks he's this visionary who, sure. who lucked into, who lucked into this amazing franchise with Dirk Nowitzki and then almost single handedly blew it up by getting into a, a feud with Don Don Nelson and just it's just I I, yeah. I frankly Dirk Nowitzki should have three championships the only reason he's not considered a consensus top 15 player all time is because he only had the one magical run because Cuban pretty much nuked every possible opportunity starting with Steve Nash and so well, I, I it's just like when is he gonna learn I, I'm not gonna, I don't think he ever we're will. not gonna get into it but if you want to know why why uh, Mark Mark Cuban disappeared for the 2020 title run there is a very lengthy article that can explain where he was and it wasn't because <laughs> he stepped away because of the team really okay so so I'll, I mean that that brings up some interesting interesting stuff and I had I had uh, Nate Jones of of Goodwin Sports on on yesterday and he actually talked a, a lot about he knows he knows Nico Harrison from kind of the 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 scene basically of uh, for for a while and he had some very good things to say about Nico Harrison and the thing that struck me is I think Cuban at one point did have an advantage that he gave the Mavericks in kind of when he first took over um sort of being a a desirable was about the locker room being the nicest and the plane being the most comfortable and the food being, you know, made to order and all that kind of stuff. But those are table stakes now. And it, it does seem like there there's some, some, just the proof is in the pudding when, like, you have to max, like, the, who are the big free agents they've signed? It's like maxing uh, Wes Matthews coming off a torn Achilles. Because you Chandler Parsons, who yeah. apparently became their shadow GM, and yeah. also is trying to apparently come back to work for the team, from things I've heard. Which, oh. so I mean, I, I think that if one is going to be an optimist, have it like a guy who is maybe can at least serve as sort of an intermediary. Because I, I, I don't think players are buying what Cuban is selling anymore. Is is kind of what, and, and haven't been for a while. Oh, yeah, because he has a – I mean, I wrote an article over the summer that basically went through the list. And at one point, him being the outsider mouthy guy was actually seen as kind of cool because he was a rebel. But, you know, you, you stick with something long enough and you become the you become the insider. And, you know, players don't think things like you should amnesty Kobe are cute. You know, his comment, while I, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, I mean, he made a comment about how he would walk across the street if he saw somebody – an African-American in a hoodie. Like, players talk. People have memories. And 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 it's just, he's so forward-facing, and it's just not, it's just not great. And and that sort of stuff ends up, up you know, and maybe Nico and Kid can deal with, you know, can mitigate that to a degree. But basically, I, I've been using the phrase that, they, you know, um, he essentially handed Nico Harrison a hand grenade because they, 
they have they had choices they had to make about Jalen Brunson, choices they had to make about Dorian Finney-Smith, and then they had to figure out how to get out from under Porzingis, all while constantly selling how important Luca and Porzingis together are. Yeah, um, we'll get. I think we'll get to Finney-Smith and 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 and, and Brunson in a second. I, I think that like the the being sort of front facing like that that's that can be okay, but that combined with the the strong impression that's basically created by everybody that that he is actually like whoever has the title he is the one actually making the decisions like not the one like approving things but the one actually making the decisions and that maybe that's a a distinction without a difference but I don't think so like Joe Lakeup is out there but there isn't the sense that like Bob Myers has to you know run his lunch order by him. Right, yeah. and so I think I and I think that there is there is a little bit more of that about Dallas, and so like the the you know the the the, the commentary, if you will, is probably more directly like I don't want to work for this guy, or mm-hmm. I like you know maybe that's a bit strong, but it's just it's just a little you know it's a close decision. Where do I want to be? What's the place I feel best about? You know, no no state income tax, but I'm not sure about that guy. He seems like he's he seems like he's got his fingers in a lot of pies, and I'm not sure it's going to work out. I mean, Lamar Odom has gone on the record like six times saying that Cuban put hands on him and kicked him. Like that's like people have long, agents have long memories for that stuff, and then you pair it with the fact that Luca might be a once in a generation superstar, but he still is very ball dominant. So you're looking at, 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 you know, guys that want to come are going to have to come and understand that they are not, you know, their role is defined. And for certain players, that works out in a really incredible fashion. Like Reggie Bullock has, has finally turned the corner, and he's just the guy that's going to benefit in that sort of role. But we're not talking about Reggie Bullocks because Reggie Bullocks might help get you, to, you know, get you in the playoffs. They're not helping you win a playoff series necessarily. It's it's the the caliber of player that they go looking for. There's only a certain number of them, and none of them have ever wanted to come to Dallas. No, they need it's it's you know the the desire to get the quote second star, but it's not just the second star. Like you need you need five or six top seventy five players mm. to to be a. To be, you know, you need multiple of them to be, and it's just the 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 desire for functional players that that kind of plug in and do a thing is 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 limiting. I think. I mean, just mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of looking on the court now, and it's like the guy who they have their hopes pinned on to be that now is is Jalen Brunson, and they didn't trade Jalen Brunson, and they're going to give him what do you think, twenty million dollars a year this yep. year? And Jalen yep. Brunson's a fine player, very successful second-round draft pick. But he, part of being a very successful second-round draft pick is he's a good player making the minimum. And then all of a sudden... He is, when the, he's bird. A, he is the human bird right trap for the Mavericks. Yeah. Because it, it's 6-1, and we've seen two straight playoff series of him being butt. Uh, because he's 6-1, it's just, it's very, very strange. It's got to be, we just hit another three. Um, it, it's very, very strange to to sort of deal with because I, it's, this has somehow become everything I've worried about for three years. <laughs> I mean, the only like, the only mitigating factor for me is kind of a 
Mavs fan is the fact that the money is just outrageous. And if there's another TV deal that gets signed before that, the money might be too outrageous to to deal with. But the Mavericks just have a real uphill battle. Uh, you know, I think they have a little more flexibility in the summer to do stuff. But they, the the players that they have, it's 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 all assets that border on negative. Sorry, I, I think I might be a, I might be a couple seconds behind you. I just <laughs> the three Luca just hit is like yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there's so. there's a more there's a Morris on the floor, so he's fired up. Oh, he loves he loves cooking uh, his uh, fellow uh, Baltic region um, Zubak. So they they have fun together. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let's so. No, I've let you. I've, I've I've led you where where you want to go in terms of of complaining about the overall Mavs thing. Um, you know, the other they, there was another bit of day that they signed Dorian Finney Smith to an extension, four years, fifty two million. Um, I think that's 55. a reasonable number. Fifty five. Well, we'll see what it comes out to be in terms of guaranteed versus incentives and stuff. Ah, like uh, okay, sure. Um, it's. I mean, it's somewhere between somewhere between forty eight and fifty five, based on you know, in yep. terms of guarantee, based on on how these things tend to work, depending on whether the uh, the the coming from the team side or the agent side. Um, but I think that's a that's a that's a reasonable annual number. I'm not about you know giving a guy that kind of player four years, but whatever. It, it, it's hardly going to be hard for it to be that bad. First of all, what do you think of the deal itself? I mean, I'm okay with it. Dorian had, had, you would have told me a year ago today that he was signing a deal like this. I probably would have been very upset. He is absolutely one of the players who has benefited from an expanded ability to try things while on offense. For the previous two years, he's essentially been a guy who stood in the corner or ran to the break, ran to various spots on the floor to hit threes. But this year he's been allowed to take things off the dribble. And, you know, two years ago, I was comparing him to Stanley from the office every time he dribbled because he couldn't do it. And this year he's, he's, he's you know, averaging career highs and assists. He's a heck of an offensive rebounder. You know, your, uh, your, your uh, acquaintance friend, whatever you want to call him, Haralabob Bulgaris, thinks that he's just one of the most uh, underrated players on the market and he's still going to be underpaid. I'm not sure I agree with that. But I, I'm okay with it because I think that, He's gonna have value, and he strikes me as like in like the darker timeline is he's the the next uh, Robert Covington on on the on the basketball free uh, agency side of things. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, that's if that's if that's the downside, then like Robert Covington, even when Robert Covington isn't making shots, is still a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. So that's like like you know another guy who probably gets more blame for what he isn't than appreciation for what he is. So I'm fine with that. What I'm wondering is the timing. Like, okay, they're just they're just scouring the market to try to find a thing for the deal for Porzingis and what other up, uh, other upgrades they're trying to do. Why are you pulling focus on this? Oh, I mean, I think it's because they need a PR win. Um, he's a homegrown guy where they use undrafted player. Uh, you know, Carlisle would always say that he thought he was like a, uh, a, you know, in that draft, if he were to go over, he'd be a top 15 guy. I don't know about that. But they they needed a PR win because they have just sold. I mean, Porzingis was going to be the guy who was on all the posters and the chairs tonight. 
Like this is <laughs> like selling on Porzingis is is it's embarrassing. I, I got, I've got I've got a worse one for you. Oh yeah, it, it turned out to be okay. Uh, tonight is Jeremy Grant bobblehead night in uh, Detroit. <laughs> Uh, it ended up working out, but that's 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 some that's some that's some tough uh, uh, basketball ops business ops synergy right there. Well, and that's where you know, and and, and so they were. I, I think they just kind of feel lucky to um, to to get some positive news out there because, as we've seen, this trade has been widely deadpan. Despite you know the the Tim Legler rant on ESPN today was unbelievable. But he was about the only person to really just say, you know, it's because Porzingis sucks. That's right. You know, he's quoted him. Um, and, and that's kind of what it, what it comes down to. But this, this trade is, is just going to be brutal uh, because if they don't advance in the playoffs, then this trade is going to be kind of the centerpiece of why would you trade Chris Stapps Porzingis? Even though, you know, those of us who are really in on the team understand how this happened. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I I got a phone call as you were talking. That's that's, that's rude of rude of people. Um, no, I I I am. Um, when the trade came through, I just kept waiting to see the picks that the Mavs were getting. <laughs> I mean, Mark Stein said that this they saw this as an opportunity to get out of under uh, under Porzingis without having to give up a pick. That's that's kind of what that shows you the just how dark things had gotten. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if he's actually hurt. That's like the if, if you know, he's out with like a bone bruise. But it makes me wonder if the Mavericks pulled him because they were shopping him so heavily, and they didn't want him to get hurt further. Is there a chance that something happened that there was just like, okay, no, we're done. This is this is uh, go away. We're going to find a trade for you. Is is I'm not sure. Heard, have, I mean, have you heard anything about that? Or I mean, I, that's I, like I again, I don't want. It's like. That's a thing that happens in the league sometimes, and we haven't heard anything about it. So I don't want to, I don't want to be like you know well, let's, speculating let's wildly. But, let's speculate yeah. a little bit though, yeah. because what what happens is you go back to the end of regular season last year, and Cuban, uh, not Cuban, uh, Porzingis asked for a trade request. Like t- Tim McMahon has reported that, and then when they they moved on from Carlisle, whatever you want to call that sort of deal, and they hired Kid, he was willing to come back into the fold. And at the start of this season, they really treated Porzingis like the special boy that he had been asked to be. And he was okay. He wasn't terrible. He was functional. But he also couldn't hit the broad side of a he had, I, I got to say, he had, they, he had a good... He, he had, had a good stretch Go when Luca was out, did he not? Like they, they, No, he had a good stretch when Luca was out. And they, they kind of stayed afloat. When 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 Luke was out, he had an okay stretch. He did yeah. not have a I'm a thirty million dollar year player stretch. Yeah, um, Brunson was still clearly the best guy on the floor, and so I, I they, his post ups kind of slowly went away. You know, they they really have gone back to Luca Ball. I don't know why. I keep hearing you know national people talking about how oh they're still doing no they're not. It's just Brunson and Luca work well together. Luca still has Luca might have a higher usage rate than he did last year. Um, some of the weird things I hear national podcasters say kind of blow my mind. Um, and, I think, and I think when I looked earlier, Luca had like the highest time of possession rate of his career, which is wild since he's, which just goes against wow. everything they said in the <laughs> Sorry, Luca just hit it off the, uh, <laughs> like a 38 footer. Um, this, this, and this um, is why he has that kind of usage rate. Right. <laughs> as we're, as we're sitting here, he's just preposterous. And so it's, it's, 
I don't necessarily know if something happened, but he he has been he has been very sensitive to his usage the whole time he's been at, with the Mavericks. He's never been unprofessional, but he's always very cutting in his comments. He like he'll just say stuff in the media that he I, I cannot believe he's willing to say it, and and then because he's so like he says it with a straight face, he's very direct. Nobody ever like it, it's never reported. It's like shocking. He's just like I don't think I'm being used correctly. Like NBA players don't say that sort of stuff anymore. Um, nobody and and so it just a lot of people think it's refreshing. But the the like the uh, the bottom line to me in comparison to Luca is w- him feeling that way might be fine. But I think he's objectively wrong um, because he's just not that good of a player relative to what he thinks he ought to be. And that's saying something, but that, I mean, that almost, that, that like, uh, almost illustrates like why, like the Mavs are, the Mavs are a fine team this year and they've been a fine team. Luka has 28 years. points in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's the, uh, what's the, what's the equivalent of the Ewing theory for the second best player? I mean. Good gracious! Like he he's hit more threes tonight than he's hit in entire months. Um, anyhow, it, it's it's just one of these these things where I, I feel bad for him involved because it could have worked had things gone differently. I I think I'm curious to your your thoughts about this. So if you remember at the start of the 2019 season, they started off 16 and five. They thought they had something. Um, like something special, like breaking the league special, and they don't, or they didn't. And and I wonder had they gotten off to even a like a mediocre start, if this wouldn't have gone that way. Because I feel like they've spent the better part of the last uh, 2020, 2021, and then part of this year trying to recapture aspects of that magic. And that's why they wouldn't trade certain guys who you know, like Maxi Kleba, who is a functional. Um, basketball player might have been able to get something, you know, might have been able to get some trade return on these guys who now I think are just like overripe bananas. Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, when you do, I mean, when you have the, the, the best offense in NBA history, even though like it wasn't quite the best, like relative to like where the league was since we were in a pretty high offense era. Um, there is, you understand the siren song of that, but it's, it, it didn't, it did not the the uh, the results did not really totally make sense. Like, oh, it should be a good offensive team, but like, there isn't there. There's one transcendent guy, and not even like great support pieces around him. So, how is this? How is this sustained? And it it kind of didn't. Nope. Well, I mm. I, I promised I was only going to keep you here for the first quarter, and we're coming up on the end of the first quarter. So well, I'm happy to keep it, talking. I don't. Yeah. Well, let's you know. I think I think at this point we're probably just having you rant endlessly about the Mavs, and I feel like you've done that already oh, it was today. A, like, I know you, you have trade deadline reactions. This was, and, and and I'm curious your take on this. This felt like a shockingly busy day for for what I was expecting after the previous two. Like overall, was this more, less, or about what you? I kind of thought that the Sabonis trade was going to be the biggest one we'd see, and it happened early, and then. Like today, like it was busy in the morning, and then like it obviously as as the 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 Simmons Harden uh, stuff kind of started to percolate out, then it 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 really kicked off, and then we were actually doing on the we were actually doing the athletic live show when the uh, when the Porzingis trade happened, um, and there's actually uh, 
positive residual on Twitter, uh, like like did some screenshots of it because I had, I had been making a point and and Mo was upset with me. So he was like, I make a point, Mo threatens me with violence, and then we're both we're both shocked by the Porzingis trade. It's sort of the three panel um, epic of what happened. Um, but no, I I like I my my head was spinning for a while today. Um, so you know, as a, as an observer, let's start. Let's let's just talk about the the Simmons trade. What do you think? As a as an observer of the NBA, I cannot believe it finally happened. I think it's going to be a bit of a lemon for both teams in the long run. It's really? my kind of hot take. Wow. I think I, I don't care for Simmons. You've had to you've had to deal with me thinking about this for a while. I think he'll probably work really well with with KD. But it's just that that endless joke on Twitter that now the Nets have you know two players who don't want to take the shots that help teams is really it just it sticks with me. Um, I also think James Harden, he's just like he, he, the way he plays, he's a physical player. He's, he's just dealt with injuries. And if they have to give him an incredible max to keep him, that just, that would terrifies me because then you have Joel Embiid, who is a remarkable generational big man who also could collapse at any moment. And James Harden, a generational kind of swing guard who might not be remotely what we think he is. I'm not sure. Or he it's might just be kinda, in just the midst of that collapse. What's that? He might be in the midst of his own collapse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so it's like, I suppose that, that the Sixers got a heck of a lot more than I think people, you know, might have been expecting recently as to, you know, a year ago, whenever all this kind of started percolating. I can't remember the start of the season. Um but it's really something, and that—that's—it's probably good for the league that he that they that they ended up getting a lot for Simmons with his kind of holdout, because it, you know, it's, if if you undervalue a guy that long, and then he turns out to be, you know, if he goes back to being kind of a borderline, what do you think he is, top twenty-five player? I don't I don't know how to rate Simmons just because he doesn't shoot. It throws me off. I I've, I mean, I've I've kind of consistently had him in that range, kind of a top twenty-five-ish guy. I think. Uh, playing next to KD is is and this is part of why I think KD is the best player in the league is like you put anybody next to him is like yeah that works yeah that yeah. that works and it, and it's hard to it's hard to you know think of a a star that makes more sense kind of next to or for Simmons to be next to um, in terms of both complementing his strengths and hiding his weaknesses so that part I'm I'm bullish on I. Love the side pieces that Brooklyn got in the deal. I think with, like, you know, I, I mean, you, you, you know all about Seth Curry. Um, and, and, um, and I think, you know, especially if, if Joe Harris is not going to come back, or even if he is, I mean, just, you know, you need shooting around, around the, the, the guys that they have. And, you know, they added, they've added one of the legitimately, like, one of the great shooters of all time. Like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not being reckless by, by saying that about, like, this is a stat I, I, kind of quote all the time, but since we have tracking data, Seth Curry is the only guy shoot, hitting over 50% of his uncontested threes. So yeah. that's a pretty that's pretty useful to have alongside. And then, you know, Andre Drummond isn't, like, good, but he's a, he's a serviceable big body for a team that didn't have any. And then, obviously, those, those um, are useful in an, either as picks themselves or will be useful in other things to retool. So I think like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Philly lost. I have to really think about it and see more, but I'm damn sure Brooklyn won. Yeah. 
No, that that part that part makes sense to me. I the Nets are back to being probably one. You know, I, their title odds had probably changed. They've lost so many games in a row. If they can get Simmons back out on the floor and acclimated, they're going to be really fun and dangerous. And that, like, being dangerous going into the playoffs is kind of secretly one of the most important things that I've been on the bad side of some dangerous playoff teams as a fan watching the, uh, like, the <laughs> where's, where's Sam? Warriors. Sam Sam left, so it's, it's good he would have let you hear yeah. about that. No, I and, and the Nets are, like, you know, I feel like I've, I've quoted the stat, like, ten times over the last couple of weeks, but the Nets are 24-12 and 12 when KD plays. That's really so, good. <laughs> yeah, and th- I will I will say that the one team that I think they match up less well against um, than they would in prospect with their guys healthy and and on the floor is Milwaukee. I mean, who matches like, up I, well? I don't. With I don't Milwaukee. That's kind of like Giannis. What he did to the Lakers the other night is it's like a warning. <laughs> is that and, what that game was? And that's the second time he's done that to them this year. I was at the game at uh, at, at at Fiserv early. We were still thinking the Lakers might be might be pretty okay, and he basically for four years put Anthony Davis in the basket with the ball, which is not something mm-hmm. we're used to seeing. Um, but the but the point being there, like yeah, the, the the Nets never had anyone who could stop Giannis, but they were like they had the potential with their guys to score 130 every night. Because you know the the Bucks don't have anybody to guard KD, and the Bucks have maybe they have they have one Drew Holiday to guard you know Kyrie and, and Harden, um, so that that you know that that they were kind of dueling mismatches, and that kind of goes away a little bit, um, even if even if Kyrie is available, because Ben Simmons isn't that kind of threat. So I think that's right. the one. That's really the one matchup where it's it is they they've taken a step back, and unfortunately that's East. But against basically any other playoff matchup, I can make a pretty strong they at least as well equipped as they were, you know, at the beginning of the day. What in the world was the four team trade? Because that felt like <laughs> a a just like a deck chairs on the Titanic trade. What was going on there? Because I don't, I, I've read about it in two different places. I still don't understand. So I, I mean, I've, I've unpacked it again, since I, I live in Milwaukee, I've unpacked it most back from the ankle surgery. He, he, uh, Dante DiVincenzo has been really bad. Uh, Grayson Allen has been pretty good. They extended Grayson Allen before the season. DiVincenzo is a restricted free agency at the at the end of the year. Probably made the decision, you know what, it doesn't make sense to bring this guy back next year under any amount because they're going to be in the luxury tax. So any, like their pay, you know, would be for a certain point. The the bucks are deep enough into the luxury tax this year that like, uh, oh, they're cheap grenade at them is, is probably unfair. But for a, you know, a fourth, fifth guard paying four to one, four dollars to one on, you know, a, five ten million dollar contract didn't make a lot of sense so i think they made the decision to get what they could for him um it seemed like teams were holding out for a lot just based on the guys who didn't get traded uh and you know their 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 two biggest needs were like a big wing and just a big and there were no big wings um i think the only one who really got traded was tory craig and um that wasn't an option given that 
he signed in Milwaukee last year, and him and Mike Budenholzer did not see eye to eye. So they went for a big, and you know, do I, I who do, does Serge Ibaka have have a lot left? I don't know, but the, the, he has the shape of a player who could who could who could help them at least eat some minutes for the rest of the regular season. So that was that. Um, other piece like the Pistons take a flyer on on Marvin Bagley, who's got talent and. Maybe you're just betting on being out of Sacramento. Um, Sacramento's taking a bet on Dante DiVincenzo, who was a player they liked enough to be a, a big part of the, the not trade for Bogdanovich last year. And I've completely forgot who the other team in the deal was. <laughs> if you can remind me. Um, so who we got? We had the, It was Kings because there's Bagley. Yeah. It was Bucks. It was... Oh, Clippers. Yeah. Clippers, and, which, like, and, what Because Clippers sent... sent and what, like, what is the Clippers' motivation for even being involved? I didn't understand that. Um, I think they, I think they did. They got some pretty significant, uh, just dollar savings. Which I, I don't know if Ballmer cares. They probably got a trade exception out of it. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they they're in kind of a weird spot because they've got a good roster that isn't going to be good this year because of Kawhi and, and Paul George not being of it. So they're, they're in sort of a weird, a weird spot. Like they're a frisky team now, but they're not good. And, right. and you know, but then they're sort of just stuff around to see what they can do next year. Um, right. So that, I mean, they, you know, I, I thought that they, I thought they did really well last week when they got Covington and Powell for, very little, for sure, right? And that's, and that's, you know, and mind-numbing trade for me. <laughs> Come on, <yeah>. guys. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and and maybe like like saving a little bit of money to offset the money they they've added is is fair enough. You know, that's that that's 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 sort of fair if you just added you know Norm Powell's remaining four years of his deal. Um, it's it, it maybe it's you know easing the easing the bite of that a little bit is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought um. I think my, and I don't think I'm alone. In this my sort of 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 the day was Boston because they got Derek White, right? Yeah, sorry, yeah, you're yeah. so you, you're fading in and out of the the audio just a bit. I don't know. Oh, why. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, better now. Yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, every probably tenth word or so. Oh, it's like cutting course. out is odd. No, it's my like my favorite was uh was, yeah was was Boston getting Derek White for. You know, a looks to be a decent, but not. Um, that suddenly they have a very interesting closing lineup. Mm-hmm. With you know, it's a lot, it's of, maybe, lot of rangy guys. Yeah, a lot. I mean, that's a, you know, Robert Williams underrated defensive players in the league right now, and you put him with you know four pretty mobile, switchable, good defenders. That's a that's that's going to be a team that's going to be no fun at all to play against. Um, whether they can score enough, it's going to be a little. Of, uh, it's going to be a little bit of some mid two thousands basketball where it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, they are well equipped to win a rock fight. Yeah, yeah. It was very confusing to see the Spurs this active on a day like today because they just don't do stuff. And granted, I know they're bad, but it's just. The Spurs don't really make trades, and they made three, four. Yeah, and, well, and, there's a lot of things they were involved. Four, in. I think. Yeah, yeah, and there was, and there were, there were, there were rumors that they were considering trading like Jakob Pertl for for PJ Washington. 
which would have been a great deal for Charlotte, but it didn't come to pass. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, those were, I mean, was there anything else that really stood out to you today? Well, my problem was I, I started getting in on this KP stuff and I run those, those green rooms. And I told you this privately, but it's just funny to say, like, I normally do like a green room and get like a hundred people because I've been doing them for over a year. And we just talked and there were 900 angry people in the room because they just didn't understand what was going on. So I, I kind of missed the thread for the second half of the day. I, was there anything like right up against the, the, the deadlines? You know, sometimes there's those ones that come like at, like that continue to be reported upon for like 15 minutes because everyone, you know, is waiting for the deadline. Did I, did I miss anything towards the end? Uh, I mean, there's just like some little stuff like Charlotte, like uh, Charlotte got Montrose Harrell for, not for oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah he'll be for, fine i don't think he helps them but he's yeah. fine and i think that was more just like getting him out of washington mm -hmm. um th there's mm -hmm. a little bit of there was a little bit of settling a family business uh in 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 washington so, someone put it to me like like beal wanted dinwiddie gone kuzma wanted harold gone and the front office wanted bertans gone <sighs> so they kind of they the the all the five families have been you know uh, in, in, in Washington, um, which is hilarious. Cause they were at one point they were like, what were they like the top four? They were like a top four seed in the East for yeah. a, like significant stretch. Yeah. And then the wheels fell all the way off. Um, like the Suns picked up Tory Craig for, for Jalen. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. For, for Jalen Smith. So shouts to Chris Paul for that, for man, that's making... a great pickup for them. Shoot. Yeah. That sucks. <sighs> Sorry, yeah. The Suns are just the the Mavericks have beat the Suns like twice in the past seven years, and then the Suns just get better. Yeah, no, the Suns like even though the Nets got better, the Suns remained my pick to win the title. Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't do much. But what they oh they they also picked up uh, Aaron Holiday for I completely don't even know who they traded for him and um, and I think they end up having I think they have to, to they end up having to cut a guy, but I haven't seen. I haven't seen who it is yet. So anyway, did uh, did did you see Chris Hayes reported about an hour ago that the Lakers declined the Rockets' offer of John Wall and a first round pick for Russell Westbrook? I'm sorry, what? Chris Hayes reported that the Lakers declined the Rockets' offer of John Wall and a first round pick for Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, TNT NBA on TNT got it. Like this is not like a tweet or a mistypo. Like this is a video of Chris Hayes saying this. Haynes, sorry, is, is the was the first? Did they maybe is he maybe reporting the first rounder was going the wrong direction? Was it, that's was, what. Was, that's I, I don't know. Oh well, oh, never I, mind. Jared, Jared, hey, Jared says, "How is this still up?" Um, maybe it was. Maybe it is going the wrong way. Yeah, the, I, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like it has to. Like I, I can't imagine that if if like. I think if if you offered them that straight up, they would say <laughs> every day of the week. Like that yeah. didn't make any sense. Like come on, they would. Yeah. John Wall's probably a better player for what they want to do right now. Like he he can like he was never phenomenal after he came back, but he was functional. Like Westbrook's not functional. It's depressing. He's, well, Wall, I think Wall is more accepting of where he is at this point in his career mm -hmm. than, than Westbrook is at his, and that's. Playing next to LeBron and AD, that's kind of important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to throw everybody off. No, no, no. One, but that was no. just like, 
it was on NBA on TNT, and then, then I, I refreshed my page, and it, it uh, they deleted it. But it said it was up for like an hour. You know how Twitter does that stuff yeah. sometimes. Have you heard? So here's actually this is a Mavericks related one. Since we're now going to be in the buyout silly season, it was initially like, oh, the that uh, uh, Dragic is going to get bought out finally, and and he's gonna the the Mavs are in the the pole position to sign him. And while on on one hand that maybe makes like sense given like the Slovenian thing, mm-hmm. like. They just traded for Spencer I don't Dinwiddie. think it's a thing now. I don't think it's a thing now. Yeah, and so this is the thing that makes me what like like I the other teams that were rumored to be sort of in on him were Milwaukee, Chicago, and I forget who the the fourth was. Miami, like, right? My, yeah, of course. Miami has um, a, has a spot. Like they cleared a spot. It, it would make sense for him with how good they've been playing, but also kind of the fact that they've been playing through a thousand injuries. Like there's yeah. actually minutes for him there. And well, there's minutes for him in Milwaukee too. And so that that would be so that would be like you know, I, dirty little secret is is teams actually have a pretty good sense of who's getting bought out and where they're ending up, um, but uh, before the trade deadline, I I, I hope I'm not uh, you know breaking anyone's uh, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> I'm shocked shocked that there's tampering going on in this uh, in this establishment, but there's tampering going on, and so. So it's just like sometimes like the moves that sort of don't make sense on their face, there's something coming next that is it was sort of everyone knows it's happening. So some things might clear up where we see where where Gordon Dragic ends up and if you know who else gets bought out. Like, you know, there's some interesting names like you know, Gary Harris, is he a, is he someone who can help someone? I don't know. I think for a team looking for a big Drew Eubanks might is a credible big body. Um, so I think those are, uh, this might be a, this, and I hate myself for saying this because I'm normally like, no, it's the buyout season. It doesn't matter. None of these guys matter. But I, I do feel like that given how many guys didn't get traded today, mm-hmm. like Eric Gordon didn't get traded today. Like, it's weird. Why? Um, that we might see a little bit more impactful buyout guys than yeah, we've seen previously. Um, I don't know if the Mavs are a destination. Nope. For I don't think so. They, they'd have to cut somebody and probably eat like uh, Trey Burke's um, Trey Burke's money, which if they're over the cap doesn't really matter, but I just see Cuban as the kind of owner to not want to eat money if he doesn't have to. Um, he's secretly cheap. So <laughs> Shots. All right. Well, uh, I'm my you know my head is still spinning from today, and I probably need a day or two to just just um, decompress and really feel what I what, how I uh, what I think about you know how teams came out of this week. But uh, anything else you want to uh, you need to get off your chest about uh, uh, a crazy trade deadline? No, I'm annoyed that it was busy just because I wasn't prepared for it. Like I was prepared <laughs> for a nothing day, and then. My boss called me at two o'clock, and I was like, "I, I am in the middle of a training. I, I'll call you back." <laughs> this just wasn't ready, you know. <laughs> Kirk, we're live. He might be listening. Yeah. Just admit it. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell All you right. later. Yeah, have a good night, right. man. Yeah, thanks a lot for joining me, and uh, thanks everyone for listening in. I will, uh, I will be back tomorrow with uh, uh, Chris Pickard, former analyst of the Sacramento Kings, and we'll talk about uh, what it's like to experience the trade deadline from the inside. I'm sure. But thanks a lot, everyone, and we'll talk to you later.